1: Fast Break podcast. I am your host for this evening, Sean Grace, aka The Magic Man. I'm joined along our, our collaborator and contributor to Lakers Fast Break, Mr. Joe Soro, and our special guest today, the new managing site editor of Peach Hoops, uh, Wes Morton. Wes, thank you for joining the program.
2: Yeah, yeah. Thanks for having me.
1: All right, man. So uh, before we get into a little bit of uh, Atlanta Hawk talk want to ask you how do you feel about your Atlanta Braves right now you're 71 and 40 first place in the al East right now there's about 50 games to go but uh I think you guys are looking pretty good how do you think you, you guys will do
2: yeah yeah I mean they're killing it I mean uh, top to bottom basically like they're just pretty much stacked at every position um every every position's hitting they're raking um, just kind of got to get enough pitching, but I mean, yeah, they're tops, tops in the league, tops in both, the NL and the AL, I think. So, um, good chance. They're, they got the best record. They'll have home, home field advantage going to the playoffs. So yeah, definitely nothing to complain about uh, as far as the Braves go.
1: Absolutely. I mean, it's, it's a great atmosphere at that ballpark too. It's just, it's a beautiful ballpark. I'd say it's at least top five in major baseball. I haven't been there yet like to go, but, uh, We happen to be with a Dodgers fan right now, so uh, Joe Joe's a Dodgers supporter, so uh, the Braves and Dodgers might end up uh, colliding.
2: Could be, yeah, that'd be a good series for sure. I mean,
3: yeah, I would like to really thank you for for the debacle of the Freddie Freeman setup a couple years back. I I haven't enjoyed watching someone at bat like that since Tony Gwynn. I, every time Freddie Freeman comes up to bat, I just feel like it's going to be a hit. And that sucker is just, I don't know, he's just an un- unbelievable player. And um, him and him and Mookie Betts have become, they're basically going to cost themselves an MVP. Cunha is probably going to end up winning it uh, because <laughs> Freddie and, and and Mookie are going to get probably split the votes. But yeah, it's it, the, the thing with baseball, and we were talking about this before you came on, Wes. It doesn't matter if you have the best record, the best pitching staff, best hitters. There's this damn momentum that hits at certain parts of playoffs that can carry you all the way through. And for for me as a Dodger fan, I'm I'm not very, very happy with the leader of the team, the skipper, because I think there have been some decisions there that have cost the team championships. But analytics has of overrun everything and you, you don't really 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 know who's in charge anymore i know that's the easy way out to say oh well analytics made that call but you know i see somebody like bruce bocce goes to texas and finally they're actually winning right so you had analytics before bruce bocce was there you had analytics, You had all these high priced players how come all of a sudden now they're winning so between the braves and and dodgers you know whom have been very, very, very consistent the last few years here. Um, I'm hoping that if they do end up meeting in the another NLCS, that it's not determined by a, a stupid decision made in the sixth inning because of oh, we don't want him to face the, the, the lineup the third time.
2: I hate just hate hate that part part about baseball. Absolutely. Yeah, it's pretty brutal. Yeah, you have a whole hundred and sixty-two game season, everything's going well and then one game, yeah, one game. A, the the
3: burner, and I I I swore off the regular season this year. I've watched a, a good amount, but nothing <laughs> like last year. I watched. I think I watched. If I had to guess, I watched hundred eight of those wins. I'm almost all the way through out of the hundred eleven. Right, and I was I was invested. I'm like, this is the year they dominate. They go all the way and dominate. They won one effing freaking game. One effing game after 111 wins, not even a trip to somewhere. And it was just, it just, yeah. And it happened to be in San Diego where I was outside looking, going, is this really how it's going to end? Really? On top of a balcony with a bunch of freaking yuppies who don't give two craps about the game?
1: Well, Wes, uh, the last time we saw the Atlanta Hawks on a basketball court, they were walking off the uh, Boston Garden floor, unfortunately. Uh, lost in six games to the Celtics, um, won a play-in game against the eventual Eastern Conference champion, Miami Heat. So, I mean, with a roster in flux, West and with uh, a coaching change on the fly, I thought the Hawks maxed out pretty well, given the situation. I'm not sure how you felt about that, but... Uh, what were your thoughts when uh, when they were walking off the floor and what did you make of the offseason move so far?
2: Uh, yeah, yeah, definitely a lot going on. Definitely in flux. I mean, um, you definitely can't be like upset with uh, losing to the Celtics. Obviously, Celtics are a very good team. Um, went to the finals last or two, two seasons ago. Um, lost to the Heat, but took them to seven, so... Obviously the Celtics are, you know, best in the East, one of the best in the East. So, you know, they gave them a little bit of a fight they, they struggled like the first two games in the series, but they gave them a fight in that postseason season series. Um, but yeah, as you said, it was definitely a lot was going on. They fired coach Nate McMillan. It was late in February and brought in Trent Snyder. So it's so pretty unusual for you to like, like, usually when team does that, they're probably already like out of the playoffs. Like you fire a coach mid season. It's, for the most part, you're you're basically like, okay, season's over, we're, we're going to the lottery. But you know, the Hawks were still like they were in there in the ninth, tenth spot in the east basically all season. Um, you know, Snyder came in. Um, they made a couple like minor moves at the trade deadline, but you know, he he was he was basically there. And then all the assistant coaches from before stayed on. So they kind of just sort of kept it going. Um, you know, obviously kind of did what they did. So this off season, they got all new, new assistant coaches. Uh, I think obviously, so Snyder basically has a lot of, um, say as far as being, a, he's basically like, he doesn't have an official front office title, but you know, they've given him like say over the roster. So, um, he definitely, you know, you hear the Hawks are in a ton of rumors right now. They're, they're rumored to try to look for Pascal Siakam, try to look for, you know, a couple other players um they ended up trading john collins of course to utah uh that was more of a financial thing because because they were you know well into the tax but uh, what snyder wants to do is like almost sort of start to create like a team like he had in utah those utah teams were pretty good they couldn't really get over the hump they had you know donovan mitchell Rudy Gobert. they couldn't really get over the playoff hump. but they kind of want something like that, that i think he sees trey young as kind of like a donovan mitchell and then try to get some, you know, forwards. So, so ship Collins out, uh, you know, he's really looking at Pascal Siakam considering to trade, you know, some of the young guys, some of the draft picks, see if we can get them even if it's just for one season and then we'll see after that. But yeah, definitely try to, they're, they're trying to shake things up. You know, they've been stuck for the past two seasons right in the, you know, seven seed, eight seed. So they're trying to shake things up, Um, get another kind of star player with Trey Young and DeJounte Murray and, you know, we'll see what happens they're still in the rumors you know there's still a long season still a long off season and you know anything could really happen at this point
1: yeah absolutely absolutely and that was a great point uh, I was gonna ask you more more in depth about that about uh, Quinn's um, obvious influence over the roster because you know I was think I was looking at the front office right and you've got landry fields you've got Kyle Corver and you've got the The owner Tony uh, rest, uh, Wrestler's son Nick Wrestler, uh, making decisions right, and right. so so now Quinn Snyder, who is like hands down one of the most respected coaches by players and uh, and the league, Wes is having some serious influence on the roster. I think that that should uh, give Hawks fans a little bit. Uh, of confidence there he built a really good squad uh in utah um he understands the the x's and o's better than just about anybody um excluding maybe spo and um if you want to put will hardy in there um but you know he decided that john collins was going to sit on the bench and jalen johnson was going to play so obviously he put his foot down right away when he came in um d- do you happen to see, like, an actual um, kind of a, a vacuum of stability that he brings to the squad, at least on the surface?
2: Yeah, yeah, that's a really good point. Like, the stability is real important because they had a bunch of kind of off-court sort of stuff happen. Not Nothing that was, like, you know, run into the law or anything like that. But um, Trey and, and Coach McMillan had some, like – you know, they're a little testy with each other at times. Um, McMillan ended up uh, actually benching Trey one time because of um, like a disagreement at practice. And so, so so stuff like that is like, you know, obviously you need to get along with the star player on the team. Um, so so that's one part of it. And then the other part you brought up. Um, so the ownership, Tony Ressler is is the majority owner. And then his son is... Um, actually has a position in the front office. So so he's kind of involved as far as talking to other teams, looking for trades and things of that nature. But, you know, he's a young guy. Early on, there was kind of like people around the NBA were like, you know, what is this, you know, 28-year-old, you know, son of the owner kind of doing and trade talks. It was all like, you know, seems kind of dysfunctional. So with Quinn Snyder coming in, and like I said, they kind of gave him a little bit of an unofficial position as far as being um, able to, to shape the roster. You know, that's stability. Like, Snyder's, like you said, a smart guy. Not only does he know the X's and O's, you know, he knows, like, um, talent around the NBA. He's got a good good eye for talent. I know Utah. Utah kind of found some people kind of out of nowhere, like like a, like Joe Ingles kind of came out of nowhere. I think he came from Australia. But he was a pretty good player. You know, Boyan Bogdanovich some guys like that. So he's kind of he's got an eye for like guys that are under the radar. So, so that's kind of what they're, they're looking for. And so, so having Snyder there and then the stability, um, the ability to get along with the star players like Trey young um, is definitely something they need. And so it seems like things are a lot more calm now. The other thing, yeah, you brought up uh, Kyle Corver, who had been a former player. He's now the assistant general manager. Um, the the previous president ended up stepping down because he, he had some disagreements with ownership. Um Travis Schlink, who, who's now in Washington's front office. So um Lenji Fields ended up taking over as um GM. So that's you know, this sort of like you know, you, you think that stuff's in the rearview mirror, you think that's behind you. Um so having this front office in place, having the coaching staff in place. Should definitely provide stability going to next season and have like, you know, less dif- dysfunction. Get get out there in the media and all
1: that. So. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, one thing I wanted to ask you before I bring on uh, uh, Joe Sora West is um, so we've recently seen the Denver Nuggets hoist the NBA trophy, Larry O'Brien, and we've al- I've also seen a Philadelphia Seventy Sixes team with Allen Iverson make an NBA Finals. The reason I bring those two examples up is because we have seen now time and time again that an NBA team is very capable of hiding a very talented yet flawed defensive player in their scheme and is able to get to a finals or win. Sixers did it with AI and the Nuggets have found a way to do it with Jokic. I really like DJ Murray beside uh, Trey Young, Wes. He's been, I think he's almost, I think he's been top 10 in steals in the NBA uh, the last three years. So he might lead the league again. I think they're fine together. I think problem with uh, the Hawks is finding the right big. Uh, I love Clint Capella. I think he brings a lot of hustle and energy I just think Trey needs a certain different kind of big, especially in the pick and roll and especially defensively than what Capella's given you. So given, given that, given that little recall, do you have confidence that Atlanta can maybe find that guy in, in the, the front court to compliment Trey and DJ defensively?
2: Uh, yeah, yeah. I'm glad you brought that up. So, um, the the interesting thing is they they might already have him so so the backup center Onyeko Kongwu
1: yes um, very very talented player I,
2: I've I've called him this season the best backup center in the league I think he is mm-hmm. as far as like when you look at his numbers on a per minute basis like um, yeah he's playing he's playing behind he played behind Clint Capella basically the first three years in the league but he was the sixth overall pick in 2020 um, you know one and done at a USC like great athlete um a lot of people compared him to to bam out of bio you know he's not he's not quite that or whatever like i'm not not saying that but like he's got the same style as far as he's he's 6'8 6'9 super athletic can always can like jump out he can literally jump out on 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 forwards on wings and defend them um blocks a lot of shots um rebounds you know his rebounds got it better and better every year so so I, I do think this this is the offseason where the Hawks have been exploring. At least, like if you look at the rumors, like they've been exploring trying to move Clint Capella and then give that starter to to Okonwu. Um I think I think that'll be like like I said, that'll be like a better fit because it's kind of where the NBA is going now. Like you got these smaller centers, you got you got Bam, you got Draymond. Like Okongwu can do that because he can guard the the rim, he can guard the perimeter, so. I think he would be like the, the kind of first guy you look at. Um, and then, you know, if you were to move Capella, you probably have to find a, you know, a backup for a Okagwu, maybe find a veteran or something, but someone more like, more like a Okagwu versus Capella, who's kind of like this old school sort of big man. He's similar, like, you know, go bear, a little bit smaller, but um, yeah, I think, I think that's like, you, you almost have to, either this, this off season or next off season, like you basically have to, trade Capella and promote Okongwu because he's he's gonna they're gonna have to extend him at that point so um that that's probably the answer and it, it just I think with more and more minutes with Trey Young and, and DeJounte Murray like if you give him started minutes now um he'll kind of keep developing and then he'll kind of be able to work out some of those things and um the sky's the limit with him like the talent's like there it's just he's getting you know 16 18 minutes a game so you just can't always see it so yeah i think that's the direction that that snyder wants to go in so you know that's that's kind of you know um, if they can find a trade partner for capella i, I do think they would they pull the trigger this offseason
1: this is rafael from nbadraftjunkies.com and you are listening to the lakers fast break
0: Check out what's been going on with the Pop Culture Cosmo Show and the PCC Multiverse. So, you would watch The Tomorrow War before The Matrix? Yes. If you forced me down, I was tied into a chair and I had to watch one thing, I would say The Matrix Resurrections. Really? Funny. Yeah, because of all the cutscenes, I could remember what a good movie was like. Well played, sir. Well played. Yes, that's the only reason for the flashbacks—to remind you what a good Matrix movie was. That's the Pop Culture cosmo show and the
1: PCC Multiverse.
0: Catch our shows on Worldwide Radio seven days a week and wherever you get your podcasts.
1: You know, Wes, living in Toronto, it would not—it would not surprise me at all if—if that—if those two teams made a deal. Um, I know the Hawks were, are very hot on. Uh, Siakam, um, and he actually he fits really well with uh, with what uh, Snyder likes to do, especially defensively. Um, I, I think he's more a defensive, um, versatile, uh, big for them that can really create mismatches, especially if you played a team like a Boston or like a uh, Milwaukee. You know, more um, – like he is, his dribble drive game is really underrated, especially for just being a big, but uh, yeah, I really, I would love that move. The Hawks actually came in and got Siakam. Joe, you have a question for Wes?
3: I do. i um, curious to know how Trey Young is taking in Quinn Snyder. Is there some connection there already? How's, how's that going to develop
2: here this season? Yeah, there's been a little bit of connection. I mean, they had you know 20 games or so within the end of last season, um, the playoffs were run. Um, so they've had they've had that, and then you know this is almost like the start of a new season now. Like it's almost like your first time with Snyder because they're trying to they're trying to do a little bit, tweak some things on offense and defense. So, but yeah, I mean everything everything I've heard is you know Trey's getting along with Snyder. You know, it's taking a bit. You know, Snyder, like I mentioned, is. He's had some good point guards. He's had Donovan Mitchell. Um, he, he's got, you know, he, he kind of knows how to talk to them and get them to, like, you know, see the game and see the floor. And, um, you know, Trey's obviously, like, got, you know, some of the best vision in the, in the entire league and, you know, one of the best passers in the entire league. So, you know, that that part of it's not going to change. Like, they're going to try to, like, you know, still, still do what they do to run a lot of pick and rolls and things. So, um, but, yeah, I mean, that relationship is really good based on everything I've heard. And, um, you know, especially when I think when Trey talked about it, like kind of did in the last season, they were doing exit interviews, but like the difference between his relationship with Snyder versus the the two coaches before him were, were Nate McMillan and Lloyd Pierce. And they, you know, they, that relationship both kind of started out kind of well and didn't, didn't go as well. So I think with a little bit, you know, Trey's kind of matured a little bit more. Um, that and then quinn snyder has a different like approach as far as coaching um, i think the two previous guys were a little bit more like my way or the highway sort of sort of guys whereas snyder is very like approachable he's willing to like be flexible so so i think that'll be really good The um, and you know he seems like he's getting input from trey as well like i think that was a, what a lot of last season was in you know, the last season was like input from trey and Dejounte about you know, this is what they see on the court and this is sort of the things they should be running. So, yeah, I mean, I I think the relationship is good and I think it'll be even better kind of going into like the first full season.
3: Yeah, the Siakam uh, noise right now would, would, would make sense. I think Atlanta was definitely one of the probably the, the best spot for him because it's got that interesting dynamic where, his, him going to that team for the rumored packages, I think it was Hunter, who was it? Um, I think it was Hunter the, and... Yeah, the one, the one I saw was Hunter, uh, AJ Griffin, and Picks. Yes, yeah, AJ Griffin. And then, and as far as their their assets in terms of draft assets, I don't think they have a lot. So I don't know. Masai is a very age-like GM. Uh, he's kind of a petulant type. Uh, When he doesn't get what he wants, he just goes away. Um, But Siakam is the kind of player and the kind of talent that definitely could make a difference for a team like Atlanta, considering the package they could send and actually not kill the team at the same time, which we're going to have to start uh, understanding that these bigger contracts that are coming up there's there's gonna be a there's gonna be even less trades for those guys in the future. That's why you're having issues with Damian Lillard and James Harden right now is because no one's willing to this. It's 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 counterproductive. It becomes a lateral movement no matter what. It's not like it was before where you just sent trash and eighty draft picks. Which in the NBA it's always kind of cracked me up how draft picks become such a such a huge asset. Yet I'm going well. What are you gonna really get? of substance that matter. I'm not saying it you can't get something really good at 18, 16, 24, 28, but how is Oklahoma City going to, you know, draft all those guys that are in the, in the teens and the early 20s like I did? and then of course this whole thing with well you can use those to go get the to go get the player. Well, who's going to demand to go to Oklahoma City and places like that? Uh, Atlanta, Atlanta's an interesting spot. There's a lot of culture in Atlanta. You don't see too many people want to go to Atlanta in the NBA because it's just like any other place other than L.A. and Miami. Everybody wants to go to L.A. and Miami, it seems, uh, in the NBA. Uh, It's not like the NFL where they don't care or they just go where the money is. But if you get Siakam for that package, I would say you're starting to get into that You could compete mode, but the thing I have, the question I have on top of what I've already asked you is, is Trey Young the kind of star that can weather the storm? Because right now, the storm has come twice, and both times, it was the storm's fault. Will we buy
2: it if it's a third time with Quinn Snyder? Yeah, no, I mean that's, I mean you're definitely right about that part. It's kind of like, obviously Trey Young has a long rope, like he's got a long leash as far as he, you know, he's he's the best player Atlanta's had since you know, sort of name your player, maybe since Dominique is pretty much how, how it's kind of portrayed. You know, I mean, you know, obviously the Hawks teams up about ten years ago, they were great, but they were just missing that superstar. You know they had Al Horfer, they had Paul Millsap, but they did have a guy like Trey Young, who was you know thirty and ten. So, so it's kind of like obviously the franchise is going to support him as much as possible. Um, But once it's like okay, you're on your third coach, you know getting Quinn Snyder. Quinn Snyder is one of the best in the business. So, um, not that you would necessarily pick a coach over a player, but you do you do want this relationship to work for sure. Like you know he's had some, some issues with the previous coaches, but like I said, I think he's matured. Um, but yeah, definitely, in, you know, we'll see in a year or two, like that we'll see how it is, you know, hopefully again, trades matured. He's been able to work with Snyder more and that's sort of boiled over in this kind of label. He gets the label, like he's a coach killer. Like if that he's able to overcome that, then, then there's that, that adversity he can truly overcome, you know, um, You know, as of right now in his career, the one big moment is basically his first playoff appearance where, you know, not many people gave Atlanta a chance. Not many people even thought they'd go to New York and and beat them. New York's having a good season. And then, you know, Trey does the I think he ended up having like 28, 29 points, including the game winner, you know, gives gives the New York crowd the kind of shut up signal. So you know, he's definitely built for that moment. Like he doesn't shy away from the spotlight. You know, he's had some other struggles. He struggled against Miami last year and then Boston a little bit this year in the playoffs. But, you know, it's not like, you know, he's got all the confidence in the world. So, and he's got all the ability, all the, you know, confidence in his own abilities. So, uh, yeah, I think, I think, you know, this is the best situation for him with the veteran, but like smart head coach. Um He's never had a player like Dejounte Murray as well uh, next to him. You know, this is probably the best teammate he's ever had. So, and Murray's a couple of years older. He came from obviously San Antonio's um, San Antonio's franchise. So, you know, he knows what it's like to work in like a very professional environment. So, so that kind of mentorship will help as well. So, yeah, I think having Trey, having Dejounte, and having Quinn. You know, I think be able to to have that last season together, you know, I think they're really going to grow in year two and and have that maturity and be able to kind of like put their head down to focus and really have more consistent regular season. Um, That's sort of what's been missing the past couple of years where they just have this rocky regular season and try to turn on the postseason. So I think they're going to be able to come out of the gates next year, you know, depending on who they have, you know, maybe they make the trade for Siakam, but even without that, I think they'll be able to come out of the gates next year and, and start to put together like a, you know, really good season.
1: Absolutely. Now, Wes, when you uh, take a look at the Atlanta Hawks roster just from the naked eye, it looks really nice. Like A lot of the wings are talented. You like a lot of the the mix and the match with the the guard play, DJ Murray with the Trey Young. What sleeper or is there a Hawk that maybe didn't get a lot of PT during Snyder's time that you think might be, uh, might be worth uh, a look.
2: Yeah, the one guy I would say is Jalen Johnson, just for the reason that you know they they traded John Collins. Um, there's still kind of a question like who's going to play the power forward. Um, it it probably it looks like Jalen Johnson. It could be Sadiq Bay. They, they trade for him from from Detroit, uh, but he's more of a he's more of a three. I would say they could play him at the four, but but Johnson is six nine. He's like a crazy athlete. He was a one-and-done guy at Duke. Um, his his last season, he came off the bench, but um, he's, he's already like, you know, really good defender. Um, and then when he gets on the open court, he's like a great finisher. He's, he has all these highlight dunks. So like he he probably has, you know, some of the best upside on the team outside of like Trey and DJ. Like he, he can be that good on both ways. You know, he can handle the ball, he can pass. He can do, he can do just about everything. He's just very, very raw. He hasn't – even even his year at Duke, he went to Duke and then kind of dropped out halfway halfway through the season. Um, he was like a top-five guy coming out of high school uh, or like an elite guy coming out of high school, and then his draft stock sort of slid. So – but, yeah, his, his upside is like crazy. You see it in flashes, and um, I think if he gets consistent minutes, if he's starting at the four this year and gets consistent minutes, I think he could like – he could have a breakout season, you know, possibly even like be in the like, you know, most improved player sort of conversation.
1: Yeah. hundred percent. I mean, and, and he's one of those like potential all NBA defender, just I'm going to put you on their best one, two, like he could guard one through four if he really wanted to, like right. he's, he's definitely got the, the agility for it and the motor for, I just hope, like you said, that Quinn gives him some time at the four, because I think you're right, Wes. I think he could be real secret weapon for him.
3: Joe, yeah, absolutely. Do you,
1: Joe, do you, have, uh, do you have a question for Wes?
3: So let's talk prediction for the season. If I've been hard on the East since their debacle this year, <laughs> and when you have a, a conference that can, I guess, be fluid, at least at this point, um, Let's say they get Siakam, and there aren't any internal issues. Do you see the team hitting the uh, Eastern Conference Finals against? Yeah, they have a
2: shot for sure. I mean, yeah, it'll be interesting to see because I think a lot just sort of depends on what they would have to trade up, trade trade to get Siakam. Like, uh, you know, Toronto might also ask for Jalen instead of AJ, or or maybe. I think they need to do a third
3: again. Must be yeah. Masai is a pain in the behind. They probably have to do a third team to get him some kind of – maybe facilitate something with Oklahoma City or something. But uh, that's the game changer, I think, for them. They have to get that guy. He's got championship uh, experience, something that Atlanta definitely needs. And you also have the star. So you have that second guy, the perfect second guy in Siakam, and then you have Trey Young about to hit his prime you guys can go be a consistent threat from then on and finally kind of get some some consistency here instead of being the surprise team one year and then kind of falling down again the next two three years
2: yeah i mean definitely like you said anything can happen in the east i mean we just saw miami go on this run and they were eight so I mean, there's no reason like Atlanta can't do the same. Like, if they, if they were to get Siakam, like, you know, there's, there's, I say there's Milwaukee and Boston, and then there's kind of just everybody else. Um, you know, getting through those two will probably be the biggest test. And then I, I will, I would, I'll put Miami there if Miami gets Dame. Obviously, that's the big one. Like, if they go Dame, Jimmy Butler, bam, like, I think they're right there as well. But, but everybody else, like, you know, in the East. It's just, it's definitely easier than the West. Like the West is just a lot better at the moment. So yeah, if, if those pieces come together, I mean, Trey, DJ, um, Pascal, and, you know, maybe they promote a uh, Kongwu. Um So some of the one rumor I saw was a three way th- with Dallas. Cause Dallas really wants Clint Capella. They want him to be the starting center. So it would be, you know, Capella going to Dallas, Siakam going to, atlanta and then um like i said some picks and players going to toronto from atlanta and from dallas or something like something along those lines but i think yeah i think if you have a lineup with with you know siakam and okagu and then dj trey and you know maybe aj or or deandre hunter like that is a very formidable lineup for sure in the east and you know they have the whole season to play together like they they could really turn it on and um, yeah, make that run if, if like, a you know, we saw Milwaukee went on the first round last year. If, if someone stumbles, like they can they can make that run for sure.
3: So, here's my last question on this, which is going to be the important one. The reason why Toronto's shopping Siakam is I don't think they want to give them a, I don't know what it'll end up being, a five year, 250 to 300 million dollar contract. Will Atlanta?
2: do that at the end of the year? Uh, yeah, I mean, maybe yeah, it'd be tough because well, one thing is like Atlanta just never, they never pay the tax. And so that's sort of been one thing. It's like, um, you know, all the big, if you're close, if you're contending, like you're going to, you're going to, you know, you're going to resign everybody and just pay the tax. Like that's what Boston is doing right now. They, they signed Jalen Brown to that huge deal. They know they're going to be paying the tax for, for forever. Like, so Um, it's either like either kind of the ownership is like, okay, we're okay to like pay the luxury tax or they would pretty much have to get rid of everybody except for Trey, DeJounte, Pascal, and then just have some like, you know, lesser role players that could work as well. You, you give Siakam, re-sign them, give him the big contract. Trey's already got, I think he's in the middle of his like, he had a five-year contract. So he's got like another three or four years left and, DeJounte extended for five years so yeah if you have those guys and then just put some role players around them you know I definitely think that could work I definitely think if you know if you were to trade for Siakam this year then it's kind of like a trial run like you trade for them you see how it looks and like if Atlanta's like close like if they get to like the Eastern Conference Finals or even the Finals like at that point you have to be like yeah we're, we're so close to a title we got to resign Siakam or maybe if it doesn't work, then you, you may just say, you know, we'll kind of cut our losses, you know, if, if we'll, or, or we'll like, you know, see if we can get Siakam to take like a hometown discount or whatever. So, so I think that's, that's kind of what this year would be. You know, if they, if that, if it came together for one year, then yeah, I think there'd be no issue in just give them that big contract. Cause the thing in the NBA is we've seen is like, you can give a guy a big contract and then just trade him later. Like, everyone thought Brad Beal's contract was like too big to trade, and then they end up trading to Phoenix. So, so I think it's it's probably better if they like you said it's you would rather just re-sign him and then trade him later because because the cap's going up by so much like that the contract doesn't even look as bad in a couple of years. So.
3: The 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 only way you're going to be able to get these big contracts is if you don't give up, if you don't want anything in return, practically. Yeah, right. If you're going to match, if you're going to want to contend, Washington isn't going to contend for the next eighty years at this point. But uh, Atlanta, Atlanta's going to have to fork out that money because I don't think Siakam is going to take a discount. I think he'll be in a position to say, I don't, I already have my ring. I'm in my prime. I got one more big contract here, likely. I think he's going to want to break the bank, and somebody's going to have to make that decision. But uh, is Atlanta the type of place where the result will dictate the decision is the question. So if Atlanta gets to the finals with Siakam, does that now become, hey, we we have something here. We can't risk breaking it up. Or are they –
1: I think I think Wes is. Uh, I agree with Westro. I think if the Hawks picked up somebody like Siakam and they got to the Eastern Conference Finals, that that would be enough of an indication for me to re-sign him.
3: You think because getting to the I, Conference Finals I, enough?
1: I think so because here's. Uh, I'll I'll say this, and I I thought they made a mistake, uh, in 2021 when they did make the. Eastern Conference Finals, and they thought they were a player away. And I, I think West would agree, you know, I think Murray is a great player, but you probably gave up a little bit to more than what you really wanted to. Because I, I think at that point, they kind of talked themselves into thinking they were a player away. And there were like two or three players away. Depending on the way things shake out in the East, yeah, I think they could definitely only be a player away from, from making some noise um, depending on how things go. I mean, there's a lot, like Wes was talking about, there's a lot of vulnerabilities in the East too. If Porzingis falls off a cliff with shooting, that's a problem for Boston. If he can't stay healthy, that's a problem. If Brook Lopez or Giannis has, has uh, problems with their backs, which we know, they have injury history with backs. It's not good for bigs, right? A team I, I could see management talking themselves into it, Wes. I really could.
2: Yeah, they've like you said, they've done this in the past. I mean, I mean the DeJounte one was, was kind of true where they the, it was it was a year they went to the Eastern Conference Finals. Well, if you go back to 2021, they went to Eastern Conference Finals and they were of the mindset that we're like right there. So they ended up re-signing that offseason. They ended up re signing both Kevin, well they extended Kevin Herter. And then they signed John Collins to a huge contract. Um kind of thinking that if they just kinda keep it together, it, it's gonna all work out. But um, you know, the Herter and John Collins are like fine players, but they're not stars. You know, they're just they're role players. They play the role well. And the next season wasn't very good. They went, you know, I think forty-two and forty, they lost in the first round. So then they made the the Dejounte Murray trade. They ended up before the Dejounte Murray trade, they traded Kevin Herter to Sacramento because they were kind of um they, they were a little unsure of the fit with mm-hmm. Trey and Herter. Uh, I think it was mostly defense. The defense together just is not good enough. So so that's why they went out and got Dejounte Murray, who's who's better defensively than Herter. So and obviously it kind of has that star like. Um, ability to he can also run the point guard as well. So, so yeah, they they definitely make moves based on kind of what they did last season, which is not really the best way to operate. But, but like I said, I, the this is a fairly new ownership, like they took over um, 2016. So, um, in Atlanta, obviously, Atlanta, the history of the franchise is they're always good, but never great. You know that was true in the the Dominique days. That was true in the Joe Johnson days, Al Horford days. So, you know this ownership is being real aggressive as far as trying to go out and and get anybody they can get. You know that's kind of why they're in the situation where they get up a lot of their first round picks, get all the picks, all all the give up all the picks they can get, get the star players in, and maybe they get they go on this you know great run the postseason just because. You know, Atlanta just, you know, hey, they don't have the success that the Lakers have. Like, so, so they're being real aggressive. Not all their moves are great moves, but, um, you know, on some levels, like, I'd rather them be aggressive. At least you're, you're going for, it, you're trying, you're not settling. Like, I feel like, you know, say the Chicago Bulls just feel like they're settling every single year. Atlanta's at least going for it, whether or not it works out. So, you know, I can get behind them for that, for that aggressiveness.
0: We're signaling the ref for a quick timeout, but we'll be back with more of the Lakers Fast Break Podcast. Hey Lakers fans, looking for the best place to go for up-to-date news, information, original videos, articles, podcasts, opinion pieces, and discussions about the Los Angeles Lakers? Well, look no further than Lakerholics.com. With a legion of followers always there talking about everything Lakers and the NBA, there's no better place to go to share your fandom as the team heads toward another championship run. So stop by and be part of the conversation today at Lakerholics.com.
1: Speaking of that, man, the great GM of the Atlanta Braves, Alex Anthopoulos, what you were talking about right there, Wes, about being aggressive. So he was aggressive. In 2015, going after David Price and uh, all those guys, right? And he said the exact same thing you did. He said, "I'd rather be aggressive and fall on my face than stand pat and think about, you know, we let something slip through our fingers, right?" So I, I think I I do see that as well with uh, with uh, Snyder and this management moving forward. But before we let you go, uh, we are unencumbered by. Uh, by, uh emotion or judgment when uh, we got other collaborators coming on and talking to us about what they see the Lakers doing this year. So Wes, uh your crystal ball, how do you see the Lakers doing this year?
2: Uh I'm actually I'm actually I really like everything the Lakers have done um since the trade deadline really cuz you know I was a little skeptical when they brought Russell Wilson or uh, Russell, Russell Westbrook back and it obviously didn't work, and I'm just like, why are you, why are you bringing Westbrook back? He's got another year in his contract. Him and LeBron and AD don't really fit, and so it's kind of like obviously it did go very well the first half of the season, but I that they did, they did like a lot of good stuff at the trade deadline, got rid of Westbrook, um, you know, got d Um, and then obviously Austin Reeves sort of broke out. They got What's his name, Hachimura from Washington? So so they basically went from trying to have like three stars and now they're two star players and then a lot of good, deep role players. Like, I think that's kind of what you need in today's NBA, like the sort of the super team era is over. Like, you don't really do the three stars thing anymore. You do, you know, two stars and, and role players that know their role. They fit, they shoot, you know, that's kind of how Denver won. Like they have, you know, Jokic and Murray. I think you know LeBron still LeBron still LeBron, AD just got that extension. He's still like you know one of the best defensive players on the planet. So getting a lot of shooting in the offseason. they got they got Gabe Vincent, brought back D'Lo and all that. So extended Austin Reeves. Like I I honestly think this Lakers team could compete this year. Like I, I do think they you know they just have to have like really just health from LeBron and AD. Like that's that's really the. The big thing, I mean, whenever those guys are healthy, you know, the team does well. It, it It's just anytime they're not healthy and, you know, that, that's basically just been the story of the Lakers the last few years. So, so I would put the Lakers, like I wouldn't quite put them above, say the Nuggets, but I'll put them up there, like right below them with like, you know, the Warriors with um, Phoenix is kind of in that class. Like I would say they're right there in the top four of the West. And like you said, you just need health. And then some things to break right, and I, I I think they could come out of the West, and and if you come out of the West, like you're you're probably going to be better than the Eastern team, so you, you'll be the favorites in the finals.
1: Appreciate the commentary, man. You know, we we kind of feel the same way. We feel like, you know, we really need to solidify maybe a, another three and D and uh, the backup center spot behind uh, AD. But other than that, I think we're feeling we're feeling pretty good as well. Wes, uh, we have a question from the audience. Uh, One of our uh, uh, members, Kurt, asks Wes, "Would love to hear your thoughts on Cam Reddish, his performance in Atlanta, why he's moved around, and do you see a role for him in Los Angeles?"
2: Yeah, Reddish is interesting because we drafted him twenty nineteen, and it was almost like you know he came out of Duke. He was overshadowed by. Zion and, and RJ Barrett and so we're like okay like how did this guy fall to 10 like we thought it'd be gone by now gone with the 10th overall pick is the weird thing is like it was almost like the success the Hawks had a couple of years later was like the worst thing for Cam Reddish partly, even though it was, it was good for the Hawks like Reddish was injured and then the Hawks kind of go on that run they go on the postseason run so he kind of got buried and it, it was hard for him to find that role um, I think he was trying too much. He was taking bad shots. He was like trying to prove himself just because he did have the minutes he used to have. He's trying to prove himself, you know, just kind of like just fell into some bad habits. And then it just never kind of worked out for him in Atlanta. And then obviously he bounced around, um, went to the Knicks. Didn't really do anything to the Knicks, went to Portland. So I think this will be a good, like if, if he, if he can come off the bench and then just sort of like accept his role, I don't think I don't think he'll really be like three and D exactly, but he can shoot and he can defend for sure. But he just has to, like, play his role, sort of sort like build that that confidence back up, you know, give him like 12, 14, 16 minutes off the bench. I think he can definitely still be productive. Like the talent is there. It's just like I think he came in and he got so much hype and he thought he was going to be a star player. And he had some injuries and then he was just forcing shots and just, just making bad decisions. So I think if he just sort of accepts his role, like, okay, come off the bench, be, be a ninth man, a 10th man, you know, he can still, he can still flash. Like, I think he has like real two-way potential. Like he's still a great athlete. He's, I think he's like six, seven with like a seven foot wingspan. Like, so I think it'll be kind of three and D ish, but I, I do think like, he's definitely an NBA player. And I think he can not contribute as long as he just sort of like accepts that
1: role off the bench. Appreciate the comments, Wes. Uh, Joe, do you have any other questions? I'm, I'm good you're... right now. I'm good. All right. I so, was going to uh, ask
3: the reddish. I was going to ask the reddish question, then our esteemed panel got ahead
1: of me. <laughs> all right. So before we head on out and uh, give a plug to Peachtree Hoops, Wes, I have a question for you, brother. So, uh, native Atlanta sports fan, what do you think of the Dirty Bird rebuild so far? This, man,
2: it's, it's interesting because um, I feel like they have just about everything but a
1: quarterback. Yes, so I was like, thinking the same thing, looking at their roster. And,
2: uh, you know, Ritter, Ritter, you know, Ritter could, he's still young. He had a good career in college. He was kind of out of like a small school at Cincinnati. But, you know, I haven't really given up on him or anything, but... They're basically saying, hey, we're just not gonna pass the ball very much. We're gonna run the ball. They drafted a running back. B. John Robinson is a top running back off the board. So they're just gonna run the ball a ton. They got Cordero Patterson. You know, they got a great O-line, is is probably the big thing. They got probably one of the best O-line in the NFL. So and then they kind of they spent most of their free agency money on on defense. So, you know, they're they're kind of just going old school, run the ball, play defense. It's kind of like um Arthur Smith used to be in Tennessee he used to have you know Derek Henry like so they're just trying to do that sort of thing they just want Ritter the quarterback to just be like a game manager like just don't don't throw picks just just you know easy completions and then hand the ball off and run the ball and so honestly the division is so bad I think they could win the division because Brady retired you know the, the Saints are kind of you know in the middle and then Carolina's rebuilding for sure, so like they could, they could win. They could sneak up on people, win nine or ten games, and, and win the division just just by just being consistent and just running the ball and playing defense. So it, it'll be interesting. Like like I said, if they had if they had a good quarterback, I think this would be, this would be a pretty like dangerous team. But you know, we'll see. I don't know. I being being a lifelong Falcons fan, you just you you naturally just don't get too high on them.
1: Yo, man, like, uh, I'm a, I'm a Raiders fan, okay? You guys have been to uh, two more Super Bowls than I can remember. So, I mean, I, I feel you, brother. I feel you. But I was looking at their roster. I really like what uh, Smith's building on offense. Drake London is a legit, no, like, number one. Like, that dude. Right. That dude is going to be a legit number one. I really like Kyle Pitts. Um, like you said, Arthur Smith did a lot of, unique stuff with his tight end, so he's really good. And like you said, they drafted Robinson. They got a really good O-line. So I think they're going to be in a lot of football games, man. I agree with you. I I, I think they win that division.
2: Yeah, yeah, it'd be, it'd be good to see. And then it's kind of the same thing as NBA. Like, I feel like the NFC is a lot worse than the AFC. Like, the AFC, you got, you know, the Chiefs and the Bills and, like, all these, like, great teams. And NFC is basically just, like, the Eagles and everybody else. So, you know, Hey, you know, just get to the playoffs and like, you know, see what happens.
1: That's it. That's it. Anything can happen. So uh, before we head on out West, please, by all means, pump uh Peachtree hoops cause it's a great read.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Please, you know, come to Peachtree hoops. We're in the SB nation network, So I mean, Peachtree hoops were all like Atlanta Hawks coverage. So yeah, yeah read the blog and, you know, follow me. I got my social media on the blog as well. So um, yeah. Yeah. I appreciate it if you, you guys, you know, came in, came and read our stuff.
1: Absolutely. Uh, hope to have you on as a, a guest later on in the, uh, the season when the Lakers play the Hawks, if we can uh, arrange that.
2: Yeah, that'd be cool, man. Yeah. I I'd, uh, appreciate coming back.
1: All right. Well, with that, uh, we'll head out for this evening, but I want to thank uh, our special guests again, Wes Morton. Wes, you've been an awesome guest, the audience and, uh, Uh, More importantly, myself and Joe, really appreciate your time, In It was great chopping it up about uh, Atlanta sports and the Hawks. And uh, talk to you again. Appreciate it. Yeah, talk to you soon. All right. See you later, guys.